cats and kittens out there <laughs> i am brian and i'm willie and welcome to episode six of deathly afraid i can't believe we're at episode six i know it feels weird i feel like i'm really loud again and you're really quiet again it always happens like that no matter <laughs> what we do so what are we gonna say i don't remember <laughs> you guys were recording this on saturday morning because we've had a hectic week Super active week. And we release tomorrow, so be fun. It's gonna be an adventurous day. So episode six. Yes. Episode six. Yeah. <laughs> My turn to go first. Um, well, don't you want to talk anything like uh thanks for listening? Please go to subscribe to the podcast. That helps us get followers. Um, leaving a comment on podcasts on the podcast um, helps us get followers and sharing with your friends, of course, always helps us. So yeah. we would really appreciate it. A whole lot. A whole lot. A whole lot. So yes, Brian gets to go first. Cause I went first twice in a row. Well, last week had to just because it was the combined episode, the combined episode but anyway, um, what I'm going to talk about this week was actually requested by one of our listeners. Shout out to Drew. Whoop, whoop. Uh, we love you, Drew. It's about the Skinwalker Ranch. I know you know about it. We've watched the Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. And mm-hmm. it's been a one of the places that we've got to actually see a lot of footage about and know more about, probably more than anything I've talked about so far. Uh, starting off, it's had four different owners since 1934. Um, Kenneth and Edith Myers were the first ones to own the ranch, and they owned it. So, like, they built it basically, or from what it sounded like, yeah, they built the ranch, and they had owned it from 1934 to 1994. So, holy crap! Yeah, that's a long ass time. And then. Next people that bought it was Terry and Gwen Sherman, and a lot of my uh, stories today are accounts that happened with that couple and their family in the two short years that they owned the property. Okay. And then after them, from 1996 to 2016, a guy named Robert Bigelow owns the property. Robert Bigelow Meljigelow? <laughs> <laughs> or is he related to Deuce Bigelow? It's Deuce's um, distant cousin. <laughs> um, so in 2016, he sold it to Brandon Fugel, which is the guy that we've seen on, on the, the show. Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch that owns it currently. 
Um, so Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, is a property of approximately 512 acres lo- located southeast of Ballard, Utah, that is reputed to be the site of paranormal and UFO-related activities. One day, shortly after settling into their dream country homestead, Terry and Gwen Sherman were startled by the sight of a fearsome animal, perhaps a wolf or a coyote, stalking towards their livestock pen. When it grabbed a calf in its jaws, Terry fired at it with a handgun and then a rifle. Despite being hit, the creature didn't seem hurt and simply wandered away into the bushes. Its foul stench, like rotting flesh, stayed with the Shermans. So in the weeks and months that followed, visitors to the ranch reported seeing unidentifiable beasts moving into the woods and letting out roars. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of weird. That is weird, yeah. And then, when I think of a roar, I don't think of like a dog like animal though. It'd be like a trick. Here they are. Here they are. Love you, Daddy. And then there were the lights hovering and zipping about in the sky, including large orange circles and blue spheres that flew around as if directed by an unseen force. Most disturbingly, animals on the ranch began to die in grotesque ways. Some of their dogs were seemingly incinerated in the middle of the night. What? Yeah. That's weird. Right? You're just fucking dog That'd in the middle so of the night. be so sad. Yeah. I mean, bye, Luna, but maybe I love you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Luna. She's just obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, so when that, what happened in the night, um, cows were being found dismembered and cored out with a kind of surgical precision. That ruled out attacks by coyotes. Like, cored out, does that mean, like, they were hollowed out? Yeah. Okay. That's so gross. Right? Like, did they eat, like, take all the organs, or did it just pull them all out? Emptied it all, like... Were the organs still there, though? No. So it took all the organs and Everything. Yeah. It's like, like they said, it was like a surgical to where it, like, almost didn't seem like it was some kind of an animal. Weird. Yeah. So, on the night of March 12th, 1997... After the ranch had been sold off, biochemist Colm Kelleher, working with Bigelow's National Institute for Discovery Science, declared to have seen an immense humanoid being spying on the research team. The creature perched on a tree and spying on his crew, the large creature that lay motionless almost casually in the tree, the only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light yeah when you were like before you said how i was like laying in there i just pictured like a smeagol <laughs> sitting up in the tree <laughs> <laughs> so frightened Kelleher grabbed a rifle and fired at the creature then it ran away it was then that i saw it, a single obvious oval track about six inches in diameter embedded deeply in the patch of snow it looked unusual. A single large print in the snow with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark going a couple inches deeper. It almost looked like a bird of prey. Maybe a raptor print, but a, but huge and from the depth of the print from a heavy creature. Terry and Gwen Sherman, their teenage son, and their 10-year-old daughter all claimed they had seen three specific types of UFOs numerous times during their course of 15 months. Dang. Yeah. That's all they lived there? 
Yeah, so I think yeah, they were one of the most short lived families that had lived on the ranch. Yeah. Yeah, fifteen months and that's what, not even was like a little over yeah, a year. Yeah. Yeah. A year and three months. So one was a small and boxy. Another was 40 feet long, and the third was an enormous craft the size of several football fields. So their their description is, it was 40 feet long. Yeah, I don't know. They whipped out their tape measure and was like, yep, that's 40 feet. Like, that's not even a description. Like It was 40 feet long. I don't know. One was like a box. Small and boxy. One was 40 feet, and one was how big? Filled? Well filled? So several football fields. Oh, how many is several? I don't know. More cool. than one. <laughs> so one of them showing a red wave of light. Another emerged out of a circular orange orb resembling an aerial doorway. To their credit, the Shermans videotaped two of their sightings. Meanwhile, they also observed crop circles. Hmm. So do they have like videotape of the sightings or no i was trying to find it but how i can't reach spin i haven't right if i find the videos i will definitely post them for our viewers to look at um, one instance saw three eight foot circles in a triangle pattern 30 feet from each other on flattened grass a nearby pasture had circles three feet wide and a foot or two deep with perfectly flattened dirt in the centers of the hole as time went on Incidents only got weirder and scarier. One night, a flying light followed Gwen Sherman on her drive home. On another, while Terry Sherman was out in the fields with the family dogs, he heard male voices speaking in unfamiliar language, and they seemed to be speaking about 25 feet above him. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. It was like, you remember watching the show when they were thinking there's like, portals and stuff like above the ranch and so yeah. he was thinking i just think it's funny he's like it sounds like that's about 25 feet up sherman's with their tape measures <laughs> just got him right there the like, voice yep that's it 25 feet hmm. um yeah so his dogs went crazy at one point seven of the family's cows were either missing or dead oh the cattle deaths were bizarre, to say the least. One dead cow had a hole cut in the center of its eyeball, Ew. but was otherwise untouched. And but it died? Yeah. So, like, the hole probably went into the brain or something? Probably. Got, instead of anally probed, it got oh. eyeball probed. Oh, my. I can't even say all by <laughs> eyeball. Bolly. So, another dead cow had the same incision as well. There's a six-inch hole carved out of its rectum. Yeah. He got probed. <laughs> a strange chemical smell was present both times. Other cows disappeared entirely, some with their hoof prints suddenly stopping in the paths they left behind. Hmm. Yeah. So it's well, like they just maybe got, they just like they a good them steak. Up, Scotty. So this next story goes into the current ownership uh, with the security guys one night the cameras on the ranch went down so skinwalker ranch principal investigator eric bard which see him on the show mm -hmm. sent winterton to the ranch to investigate winterton and his wife pulled up to the command center 
and just as they arrived, the cameras turned back online. He and his wife walked around inside and heard footsteps run across the floor and into the back room. But when Winterton searched, he found no one. A minute later, he heard what sounded like a cord being slammed against the wall in a different room. Winterton searched the room, but found nothing. Then he and his wife both heard a voice say, You need to leave now. Yeah. Yeah. And as he reached to grab the hard drive he had been uploading files onto, they heard the voice again, stronger this time, say, You need to leave now. Hmm. So they booked it to their car and drove away. Winterton's phone, which had frozen when they first heard the voice, didn't unfreeze until they were far beyond the ranch on Highway 40. So it's kind of like the episodes we'd seen where uh, I think a few of them were standing there and like their phones would just all, freak, freaking all out. of a sudden start freaking out and opening all different apps and doing a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah. Ugh. Which, I mean, that alone would freak me out. Just, I don't know if it's just like the energy or like, Weird radio waves or what it is, but... Yeah, something crazy. Yeah. So, one day, Bard received a notification on his phone that there was movement in the control room of the ranch. He checked the camera feed connected to the control room, but the camera showed no one in the room. But the movement notifications persisted for five hours. So, Bard got frustrated and anxious and finally said, if you have something to show me, show me. If you have something to tell me, tell me. Then the pixels on his screen appeared to melt, so he snapped a screenshot, and in the bottom right corner appeared a message, I living. That's weird. Right? Yeah. I, I actually found a picture of that, so I can post that on there as well, so they can see. Okay. So, when the Sherman family bought the ranch from its previous owners, the Myers, in the 90s, not only did they find mysterious locks on all the ranch house doors, they also found a line in the purchase contract that required the Shermans to agree to not dig on the property, which we've yeah. seen in the episodes that, like, when they dug on the property, bad things have happened. Yeah. And this next little bit here is actually part of the episode. Like, they'll have to go watch the episode to see the actual story but when the team last dug winterton has twice ended up in the hospital with a mysterious or with mysterious head injuries that his doctors couldn't explain that he incurred at the time of digging on the ranch so when you dig on the ranch things get weird but i think i remember watching that episode like his like his like scalp, scalp separated. separated from his yeah hair. yeah that, that one was crazy. <laughs> I would like to go there. I think it would be cool. But I don't want my scalp to separate. <laughs> a lot, too. Like, I didn't get a chance to write this down. but And I remember seeing something about this on, like, an episode. When, I think it was when they went to Homestead 2. And they were walking around. And there was, I want to say it was, like, the well or whatever outside. And someone ended up getting... Uh, Oh, poisoning, but I it think was I know. Uh, it's radiation, radiation poisoning. Yes. Yeah. Said that there's a few people that have gotten radiation poisoning and they didn't know until like they have left the ranch. Right. So that'd be. That would be crazy. 
Yeah. Well, that and then like going up on that, what was that the butte there, or whatever, mm-hmm. where they are the Uinta Basin or whatever it's called. And just seeing all like the different lights and stuff that go on up there. And I think it, I think it'd be cool to visit. I don't know how easy it actually is to get on the ranch to visit anymore from one thing I'd seen on my research. There was a girl that was trying to go there and like she was texting like every day for so long before she even was able to get onto the ranch. Post Malone actually visited the ranch as well. What the heck is up with Post Malone? I guess he's like super into the paranormal and like UFO oh, really? and all that stuff. And so he. Same posty, same. They got to go there. <laughs> so maybe one of these days we'll get to go check it out. That would be cool. That would be cool. And see Zach Baggins Museum. Yeah. If you book your tickets in advance. Whitley. <laughs> yeah, that was my. A little short take on that this week, but uh, I do suggest if you guys are up to it, go watch all the. I think there's three, three, ep- or not episodes, series seasons. or seasons of the Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, and I think it's on Netflix. I want to say I don't remember what it was on Netflix <laughs> or Hulu or something, but. I'll find it and post it with our pictures. That way you guys can go watch it. It is a really intriguing series to watch. Yeah. Cool. I like it, bro. I like it. I like it. Are you ready for murder? Yeah. It's not a fun one this time. No. No. It's this one I feel like is uh, the whole thing's really crazy. You're going to be like, what the heck happened? But this is the mysterious Mysterious? Mysterious. Mysterious death of Kendrick Johnson. No relation. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that one. So, um, on January 10th, 2013, 2013, Kendrick Johnson had never returned home from school, which at first his mom didn't really think anything was weird about it because he had told her he was going to a basketball game after school. Well, as the night got later and later, he still wasn't home. She started calling his cell phone and he wasn't answering her. So then she decided, you know, she was going to go and drive by the school and see if she could see him or anything. And she drove by a few times. Everything was, you know, shut down, locked up. All the lights were off. So shortly after midnight, his mother actually filed a missing persons report. In the morning, she had gone to the school to hope that maybe he just went out with his friends and was goofing off or whatever, and he would be at school the next morning. So she gets there, and he hadn't shown up for any of his classes. But while she is there, and, like, the um, counselors and everyone are like, well, we'll help you make flyers. We'll put them up, see if anyone's seen him, whatever, you know. And while they're doing all this, she actually had learned that he had never even went to his third or fourth period the day before so he only went to because it was like kind of like how we had school a day b day type situation he only had four classes a day yeah so he went to his first two classes and then never showed up for his last two and then while they're in the counselor's office making all these flyers um they actually find out that some kids had found kendrick's body in the gym 
So they at this school is kind of a weird setup. They had two gyms. They had like an old gym and a new gym. And the old gym was just like this little almost storage room type gym. Like yeah. they stored a bunch of stuff in there. Didn't get a ton of use. Um, And some students were hanging out in the old gym. It was like obviously before class and everything. And they noticed like something white coming out of the top of one of the rolled up mats. So they had all these rolled up mats like against the wall next to the bleachers. Kind of like the wrestling mats or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like the bleachers are like those little two-step bleachers. It's not like the big up the wall bleachers. Yeah. It's just the tiny ones, right? And then there's these mats. They're about six feet high. And they see something white coming out of the top of them. And they're all standing up vertically. And so one of the students, you know, climbed onto the bleachers to see if they could see what it was. And when they got close, they realized that it was actually a sock with a person's foot still in it. So they've seen the sock. They looked in the center of the mat, saw that it was a person. And so then they were trying to talk to him, thinking someone was just messing around in the mat. And he wasn't responding, obviously. And so they tried... They realized that, you know, he wasn't moving and so they're trying to help him and um, they couldn't get the mat down. So they went and grabbed a teacher. When they pulled the mat down, they realized that it is the body of 17 year old Kendrick Johnson. Dang. Um, He was so when they when he's in the mat, he was like he had like one arm above his head, but like one stuck by his side. Yeah. And um. There was a pair of shoes. So, you know, obviously they just see the socks. So okay. he's not wearing shoes. His shoes were actually tucked behind his knee. And I actually have a picture of this where he's rolled up in the mat and the shoes are stuck behind his knee. Yeah. So it's like, why are they? And they're like shoved in there tight. It's not like they fell in there. It's kind of a weird situation. Huh. Um, there is a second pair of shoes. One of the shoes is outside of the mat the other one is actually on the floor in the center of the mat and it is sitting on top of pool of blood so there's no blood on the shoe whatsoever but it's sitting on top of blood so it's kind of like a weird situation like how did the shoe get there on top of the blood right right so like one thing i learned though like if you do, or if you do, when you do die, you kind of, um, I don't know how to say this correctly, but um, your juices kind of come out. And so hanging upside down, they're going to, you know, yeah. so the blood would have been dripping from him after he passed away. Um, but it still doesn't explain how the shoe has no blood on it, but it's literally laying in the blood. And I also have a picture of that as well. So... um. There's speculation that the shoe belonged to Kendrick and a friend, that they would um, hide their shoes inside the mat to use for gym class to avoid paying for a locker. So at the school, you know, you have gym class, but you have to have your gym shoes, gym clothes, whatever. But if you wanted to store them in a locker, you had to pay for that locker. So a lot of kids at this school would hide their shoes in the mats. And so they'd just got back from like their winter break or whatever. And before winter break, a lot of the mats were laid down on their sides and kids would throw their shoes in there just to hide them. And that's what Kendrick and his friend had done. They'd hid the shoes in the mat. Well, then someone had cleaned up the gym during the winter break 
And so they were all standing up vertically. So they took his body for an autopsy and the um, autopsy technician um, declared his cause of death to be positional asphyxiation, which you would think, okay, case closed. He hung upside down. He got stuck in the mat. But there's a lot that says that this is not really what happened. So, like I said, school just got back from the break. Whatever. It was laying on the ground. Now it's not. So, investigators say that, um, oh, he just went down into the mat to get his shoes. And that's what happened. And he got caught and died of positional asphyxiation. So... First of all, like I said, these mats are six feet tall. Even if you are six feet tall, you don't think you're going to be able to, from the top, reach down to the bottom of the mat and be able to pull out a shoe. Right. You would tip the mat over and grab your shoe. Yeah. You right? I would think so. So it doesn't make sense that he, and it wasn't even like the, because I have pictures of this too. It wasn't the mat right next to the bleachers either. He would have had to crawl across other mats to try to dive down into that mat. Where his shoe was. This doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. So, and then the mat, when it's rolled up, is 14 inches in diameter. And Kendrick's shoulders, side to side, are 19 inches. So, how would he even get in there? Inside the mat, yeah. Yeah. And, like, granted, the one arm was above the head, so it does make your shoulders a little bit smaller. Not that much. But, yeah, not that much smaller. Like, he was pretty tight in there when they found him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I said, like why wouldn't he just tip the mat over if his shoe was at the bottom? And it, and also, how would you crawl across all these mats without them tipping over and stuff? Yeah, it's just weird. Um. Also, another thing that I think is weird is, you know, he gets stuck in there. If he, if this is the case, if he dives down in, gets stuck in there, people are coming in and out. All the, all the time yeah. why wouldn't he be yelling for help and people hear him yeah because to die of blah, 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 to die of like positional asphyxiation you're basically like suffocating to death whatever yeah it takes a while for that to even happen right so he had to have been able to yell and scream like help me i'm stuck whatever or wiggle your body so the mat falls over yeah right it just the whole thing just doesn't make sense so also, the crime scene was not really handled great. It wasn't really handled like a crime scene. Yeah. They basically was like, he jumped in, he died at the end. So a lot of like the evidence and stuff wasn't even collected. Like the shoes weren't collected. There was a hoodie in the gym that was never collected. There was dried blood on the wall near the mats. So they tested the blood to make sure to see if it was a match for Kendrick. Yeah. And it wasn't. And that was the end. They didn't test for anybody else. Like, if something happened to him, he got in a fight, whatever, that could have been his attacker's blood. Why would you not test it and at least find out whose blood it is, question that person? Yeah. And even if it was just something silly, like you're in gym class, whatever, you get hurt. I don't know. It just seemed, why would you not do the full investigation? Yeah. So. Because they lazy like our kids. Right. Another thing is investigators waited six hours from when the body was found to call the coroner, which in Georgia, cause this happens in Georgia, sorry, um, it's actually not legal. Once you find a deceased body that 
you immediately have to call the coroner and they take possession of the body to do their investigation on it. Yeah. Um, and they waited six hours. Dang. Yeah. So, and then the coroner actually, when he was interviewed, said like this really hindered his investigation too because now he's lost six hours that he could have, you know, stuff changes in six hours. Yeah. So, um, there were paramedics on the scene that, and their reports had said that, um, the scene should have been closed off as a homicide, but the police were just like, no, it's an accident. So they, there was people like going through the crime scene. It was just like people tromping around on evidence and paramedics were like, Hey, why isn't this taped off? And they're like, Oh, it was just an accident. Crazy. Yeah. Um, like I said, they basically didn't collect any of the evidence, like the shoe and the hoodie, the blood, you know, they tested it. It wasn't Kendrick's, but that's all they did. Um, later, like after the fact, they requested, um, the school had CCTV cameras yeah. all over. Right. So they requested the footage from that, from the day of his death, but they Instead of sending their people in there to get it, they basically told the school, oh, just send us whatever you think's important. Like that. They're doing a great job. (laughs) Yeah. So just whatever you think's necessary, send it over. We'll look at it. And the, um, the footage that they did get is missing about an hour and a half of footage. Probably the hour and a half where he was carried in there. Right. Well, so they actually have footage of him walking into the gym. But they just don't have him ever coming in. And they don't have who's going in or out during that hour and a half either. Yeah. So um, the specialist that looked at the footage for the, you know, the police department or whatever, he said that he didn't receive the original footage. And the quality was so much poorer than it should have been. Like if he would have gotten the original footage versus like some recording of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, That it was really grainy. and. There was a ton of corrupt files in it. So it's like they should have sent their people in. They gave the school the opportunity to give it to them, which means someone can tamper with it. Yeah. You know, it's just. And then what they get is not even the original, like, footage. It's poor quality. It's really grainy. So they're not helping out. No. It doesn't sound like anybody's helping. (laughs) So there's four cameras in the gym. One camera. Or the first camera, it records from, or it records till 12.04 p.m., then it stops and doesn't pick back up until 1.09 p.m. Then the second camera, it stops at 11.05 a.m. and comes back up at 1.15 p.m. The third camera stops at 11.05 a.m. and picks back up at 1.16 p.m. And the fourth one stops at 12.04 p.m. and picks back up at 1.09 p.m. Those seem like weird times to... Well, and they're all in this same little time frame, too. So it's like, okay, if something happened on this camera, get rid of this. What You yeah. know, it just seems sketchy that they're all just... About the same times. Yeah, missing that footage. Four cameras, you know? Um. So after the autopsy, um, the coroner or whatever were, allowed the family to come see him, but... Obviously, they didn't prepare the family for what they were going to see, and they were extremely horrified um, at the condition that they found Kendrick in. Um, 
it looked like someone had basically beat him to death. And they actually did post pictures of this online. I'm not going to put these pictures on ours just because it is so graphic. Um, if you want to look it up yourself, you're more than welcome. Um, you can just search up Kendrick Johnson and autopsy photos. They're pretty bad. I bet. But nobody explained to the family either. They had already done an autopsy and they looked at his brain, which means they have to cut the scalp open, peel back the skin, which pushes all your skin forward, pull the brain out or whatever, and then you pull it back best you can. Yeah. But it's not going to fit exactly the same way that it was. So you're going to look different, yeah. basically. And he looked different. And, like, you could, you can tell in the pictures his face is smushed forward. Like, they didn't pull it back all the way. It, If I saw my kid like that, I'd be very upset, too. I bet. Like, I would be livid. So I do not blame his family for being an upset. I think they should have, like, the coroners and police should have handled that better. So the family is basically like, you guys aren't handling this right. We don't believe it's an accident. Yeah. Like, look at his condition. Like, why would he jump into a mess? Basically all the same stuff that we've already talked about. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the family actually hired an independent autopsy to be conducted um, by William R. Anderson. So on June 15th of 2013, so about six months after, Yeah. they... um. They had the body exhumed, and they did another autopsy. Anderson had claimed that Kendrick had died of blunt force trauma to the right neck and soft tissue and suggested that the death was not accidental. So the second autopsy is like, no, he's got this bruising over here on his right neck, and it looks like blunt force trauma. Yeah. he That's what he died of. So also... Another thing, when he opened up the body, all of his organs were missing and replaced with newspaper. That's weird. Yeah. So the family's also like, why are all his organs gone? Like, what's happening? And so then it kind of becomes a thing like, they're mad at the funeral home. Like, why is he stuffed full of newspaper? Where's his organs? And then the funeral home said that they never actually received his organs they weren't in there after the initial autopsy but then again like they had signed a paper saying oh yeah we got his body his organs his clothes everything and like even they didn't even have his clothes and they're saying the organs were never there so it's like maybe read what you're signing i don't know if you just didn't read it, it was like yep i got it you know but it just seemed weird that and then um the funeral home you know they're like it's not uncommon practice because sometimes you know you donate your organs to science whatever yeah they do have to fill that void with something otherwise you're not gonna look like you and yeah. everything just kind of folds in on itself if you don't so they normally um use either sawdust or cotton in this case newspapers not common to use but i guess further back in time they did so and the funeral home had actually offered to do this whole thing for free of charge for the family and maybe took some price cuts and used newspaper. Yeah. So um, they did, the Johnson family did file a complaint against the funeral home, but it was determined that there was no wrongdoing on their part. So then after this, the Johnson family actually requested again that the body be exhumed after it had been buried to a, set, a third autopsy. 
So um, this one was done June 22nd of 2018. So the other one was in 2013, now 2018, so five years later. Uh, the autopsy basically confirmed the blood, blunt force trauma findings from the second autopsy. Yeah. So you got two people saying, no, it was blunt force trauma. And then the first guy was like, oh, positional asphyxiation. Because that's what I was told. <laughs> but um, no, I'm sure he did what he thought was right. But the other two were saying blunt force trauma. Yeah. Which is like, what happened to him? You know, like, did he get in a fight? And yeah, so and one I was seeing that like they thought, what was it? Oh, there was an anonymous email sent in from one of the girls that went to school there or something, saying that someone had confessed to her friend that they had hit him with a forty-five pound weight or dumbbell or something, which which would, be would make sense, drama. yeah. But um, I guess police looked into it and they didn't find anybody guilty of anything. Yeah, I'm sure they looked into it. Right. So um, in this whole thing, there's a lot of lawsuits, suing and all that stuff. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. Obviously, the Johnson family's super upset. They don't feel like it's being handled correctly. Um, they file a lawsuit of wrongful death against Lowndes County Board of Education, superintendent, and the principal of the high school. Um, this lawsuit alleges that Kendrick Johnson was violently assaulted, severely injured, suffered great physical pain and mental anguish, and subjected to insult and loss of life on January 10th, 2013. So um, in this lawsuit, it didn't name any specific or didn't name persons allegedly involved nor identify like race of alleged perpetrators, but it implied like race-based um, dimension to the assault. Yeah. So um, Kendrick is like, he is black. And then a lot of the students that were accused of bullying him and stuff, they're white kids. And then the police also didn't handle it like they should have. Yeah. You know, like if it was like a little white boy, they probably would have been like, Oh, we need to figure out what happened. Which sucks, because, I mean, it, it doesn't matter about yeah. your skin color, or race, anything like that. It's just... Yeah, a it's person's not how person. it should be. But they just... Nobody handled it correctly. Um, It also alleges that the defendants had ignored reports that previously Johnson had been repeatedly attacked and harassed by a white student when that 14 months prior to the to his death johnson was attacked on a school bus trip and it was alleged that another student brian bell had a history of provoking and attacking johnson and they even took place in front of coaching staff and employees so the mom had already complained to the school about these instances and they didn't, and they didn't do anything and this brian bell him and his brother brandon um are kind of one of the main people the family things did it there's i mean not a lot of evidence because nothing was collected yeah but um this brian and brandon bell their father's an fbi agent that helped handle the whole case well, of course so i mean i don't know for sure who did or didn't do anything obviously there's no evidence so you have nothing family gets no closure whatsoever basically yeah 
The lawsuit also alleged that the school officials failed to properly monitor activities of students throughout all areas of the campus and and to maintain a properly functioned video surveillance system. So, which obviously they're missing all this footage and they're saying, oh, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know what happened to it. Right. Um, so, like I said, the two boys that are being accused by the Johnson family, their dad is the FBI agent. Um, in a 2015 lawsuit filed by the Johnson family, it was alleged that the FBI agent ordered his two sons and classmates to attack Johnson, that he was murdered, and respondents were engaged in a conspiracy to cover up the homicide. Now, this is basically them just throwing accusations out because they're just so frustrated. Yeah. There was no evidence to any of this, but... And this is kind of where they start getting less um, notoriety, I guess. Yeah. Because now it's just like, well, you did it, and you did it, and you, you know, because they're frustrated. They want answers. They're getting well, it. it. seems kind of fishy that the dad is the FBI agent that is pretty much in charge of this whole thing. Right. And the two boys are the ones that have been bullying this kid the whole time. Right. Yeah. It's it's all, the whole thing is just like, what the heck? Like, even if it was an accident, it still. It doesn't make sense yeah. what happened. Yeah. Was like, well, I mean, like I an mean, accident, like. The boys didn't mean to kill him, but they accidentally right. did. And then they're like, oh, crap, dad, cover up for us. Right. Yeah. So then in um, November of 2015, the Department of Justice filed a motion in the civil case to intervene and stay the case. After this motion was denied, the Johnson fam family dismissed their own wrongful death case, saying they hoped to refile it after the conclusion of the federal investigation that was happening. So um, they had this case against the school. They dropped it. And then they're like, we're going to refile, though. Yeah. Um, the family was then sued for 850000 in attorney fees and a million in def defamation charges. Damages, sorry. By the families. Um, so in June 2016, the Department of Justice announced they would not be filing any criminal charges to, the Ken to Kendrick's death. This is a quote. After extensive investigation into this tragic event, federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other pros prosecutable federal crime. So, um, November 2016, Anonymous actually kind of gets involved. You know who Anonymous is? Yeah, kind of like the the activist group. Kind of, they wear those masks off of V for Vendetta. Yeah, so yeah, those guys. Um, I'm gonna give you just like the end clip of this video, so you can kind of see. But it's like it's a 10 minute video, and I'm just gonna give you the end of it. Why did the authorities not do a full and complete investigation into the death of this team? With every piece of new evidence that is revealed, there are more questions raised than answers given. Some black students were told they were not allowed to be interviewed by law enforcement. Administration at Mounds High School told students if they talked, their graduation would be threatened. The people of Valdasta know a cover-up has taken place and that local law enforcement will harass and arrest them for providing false statements. The people are afraid of the backlash if they come forward. The time has come for those people to join the fight for justice. Expose the corrupt for who they are. Expose the racism that is alive and well in Valdastra. 
The time has come to stand against the oppressors and fight for the truth. We are anonymous. We are legion. We do not forgive. We do not forget. Lowndes County, Georgia. You should have expected us. So, yeah, um, Anonymous posts this video. It's 10 minutes long um, about Kendrick's case. And um, it's just kind of crazy. Like, they just present all the evidence, and you're just like, what the heck didn't happen? Because this isn't. It it just, to me, obviously, I don't know 100%, but it doesn't feel like an accident. Right. Like, how would he get into that map? Like, he is fully, barely his feet sticking out of that map. Yeah. Like, and then his shoes stuffed behind him. If his hands are above his head and next to his body, he can't put his shoes shoved underneath yeah, his... Yeah, there's no way of bending your... Especially with how small you said those things are rolled up. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. And then for the shoe to be on top of the blood was weird, too. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? So, the whole case is, case is just crazy. Um, On March 10th, 2021, the case was actually officially reopened, and only due to be reclosed in January of 2022 with no charges filed. So, that's where it stands. The parents are really pushing to get it um, opened and get it taken care of but um obviously i don't know that it will ever be closed which kind of sucks for his family yeah but it'd be kind of irate if i was his family as well yeah well and the police are just like it's an accident just take it like that's what you get no. <laughs> like i mean i'm not a kid anymore and i've done stupid crap when i'm a kid but i feel like a 17 year old would know I'm not going to reach that shoe at the bottom. And if I do, how am I getting back up? Right. Like, I just don't feel like that's something you would do. Or even if, like, you would try it, you would think they would have somebody there to be like, hey, I'm going to try and grab this. Right. If I get stuck or whatever, help me out. Yeah. It just seems crazy. Like, granted, he was probably going to get the shoes for Jim, whatever, if that is the case, if it was an accident. But, I don't know. It just seems... It's where, like, two of the autopsies are like, no, it was blunt force trauma. Right? Gotta think something else went on. Something had to have, yeah. For two autopsies to come back, no, this was not an accident. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's sad. It's a crappy situation. It's sad that the family's not going to get the closure that they need or want, and... Yeah. Just like everybody's like, nope, this is what it is. Just get over it. Yeah. This all the different pieces and parts. It just doesn't make sense. So I get why they're mad. Yeah. If it was my kid, I'd be mad too. So. Right. So anyway, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Brian's yawning. Who early this crap? We, we bored him to death. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Get over it. But I'm used to shooting at like six, seven o'clock at night. Right. That actually tells you guys that we started this at eight o'clock this morning. Right. I was like, I've got stuff to do today. Get up. <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Keep the suggestions coming in. You guys need to suggest some for Whitley because I'm <laughs> the only one that keeps getting suggestions. 
I actually already have my next week's picked out, but I will definitely take suggestions from people. Well, I mean, we have a short time to do research for next week, too, since you're going to be gone. we got to record early in the week. Yeah, I'm going out of town next weekend, so normally I'll edit on Fridays, but I was like, we got to have it edited and done because I'm not going to be here. Hey, you're going to be in Utah, so go check out Kay's Cross for me. I will. I'll check out Case Cross maybe if I have time. I'm pretty planned up right now. You always have time while you're down there. We're going to a tea party, you guys. I'm going to be so fancy. You're be fancy. <laughs> yeah, that's my life. Yeah, just keep listening and like, follow, share, comment, rate us. Um, Send us any listener stories, whatever, to deathlyafraidpod at gmail.com. Yeah, hopefully we actually start getting some of those with, it's like every week it's so exciting to see the numbers going up, especially for our first episode. We're almost to 100 listens right now, and so it's like I keep checking it multiple times a day to see if we get there. <laughs> right. We're getting there slowly. We also didn't expect it to happen overnight, so. That's true. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Yep. See you next week. Bye.